Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that we have your word right here before us now. But Lord, we recognise that we are stiff-necked people. We are hard-hearted, just as your people were in the desert. And when you speak, we so often look the other way and refuse to listen. Lord, may you give us your Holy Spirit this morning's power in abundance so that we are subject to your word, so that we willingly listen to it and want to put it into practice. We pray that you may particularly be with me, that I may not speak what is contrary to your word this morning, but may I be able to explain it clearly so that people here gathered in your name are well fed by your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What gives you dignity? What gives you respect? Why should other people look at you and honour you? Uh, This week, Jill and I went and updated our wills because now we've got a second child. She's now five months old, and so we thought we'd better include her and uh, who she gets to be divvied off to if um, Jill and myself... Uh, die in some sort of car accident. Uh, so we put her in the will. But as I'm sitting there with this lawyer and going through uh, what we own, I'm starting to think, oh, I mustn't be as dignified as some of the people that they see because they ask what you own, how much is in your bank accounts to the very dollar. They speak about having million-dollar bank accounts, and I have to say, well, I don't have one of those. But the people that come through, they must see some really dignified people by what these people own, their worldly possessions. Everything is valued. How much is your car worth? How much is your house worth? How much is the mortgage against that house? They probe into those parts of your life that you've rarely let people probe into. And you feel a little undignified, maybe that you don't have as much as some of the other people that these lawyers must see and write up wills for. But what gives you dignity? Is it having lots of money? Is that what gives you dignity? When you go in and see a trustee or a lawyer to make up your will, you are a dignified person if you have a lot to leave uh, to your children. What makes you worthy of respect? Well, over the past uh, one week, well, we had a break. We've been looking at Hebrews for a while, and we've been looking at how Jesus had been compared to angels. So through uh, Hebrews chapter 1, we've been uh, seeing that Jesus is greater than angels, and then last week we saw that uh, once more. This week, we see that he is uh, greater than angels as well, but he now speaks about the dignity of man. He speaks about what gives men respect. The author of Hebrews comes here and speaks about what makes man Humans worthy of respect. And to do that, he quotes from Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8. And so if you've got a Bible there, I encourage you to have it open to Hebrews chapter 2, page 1185 of the Black Church Bibles, and look at what the author of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 8 to show the dignity of man. And that's my first main point this morning, is the dignity of man as shown by Psalm 8. And here, of course, in Hebrews chapter 2. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 reads, It is not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. And then in quotations, we've got from Psalm 8, the dignity of man. 
What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet. What gives man dignity? Well, the first thing we see is that he is in God's mind. Verse 6, what is man that you are mindful of him? God thinks about man. And that is a wonderful thing to remember that God is actually concerned about you. You don't have people in your brain that you aren't concerned about. They're nobodies if you don't think about them. The people that you think about are the people that you respect. You think about your family, you think about your friends. Other people you don't think about. And it's amazing that in the mind of God, man is. God is this huge, powerful being and yet he cares about tiny little man and that's why the rhetorical question is there what is man that you're mindful of him it's unbelievable that God would care about man and then he goes on the son of man that you care for him you're not just in the mind of God God actually cares about you and that gives you dignity God cares for you he provides for you he makes sure you're fed. He makes sure you've got clothes. He makes sure that you've got somewhere to place to live in. That you've got people around you to support you. He cares for you. What else gives you dignity? Verse 7. You made him a little lower than the angels, which means that you aren't as dignified as angels. But what does he do? Verse 7. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour. God crowns man with glory, with respect, with dignity and honour. And what else does he do? Verse 8, and put everything under his feet. Now, of course, that doesn't include angels because we saw that man is a little lower than angels, but everything else is under our feet. Animals are not above man. Plants are not above man. Man is above plants. Man is above animals. It is not a crime to eat a cow, but it is a crime to eat another person. Animals are below you, and that gives you dignity. You've got dignity over the dog. You've got dignity over the cat. You've got dignity over the cockroach. You have dignity because they are under your feet. Now, is this true? Are these things indeed true? Is it that we are in the mind of God? Are we cared for by God? Are we crowned with glory and honour? And is everything under our feet? Well, the author makes a surprising statement. After quoting from the Bible, what does he say? Verse 8, we continue to read, In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him, which is reiterating what we read at the end of that quote from Psalm 8. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. And that's true, isn't it? When you read that and you look through it, you go, hmm, that's not what I see. We do not yet see, particularly the point about everything being subject to man. What happens when you meet a shark in the water? Does it respect you? Does it realise that you are the one above it? No, it bites back. 
Everything is not subject to us. This quote from Psalm 8 isn't describing what man experiences. And why is that? Well, it's because the dignity of man has been lost. And that's my second main point. The dignity of man lost. And it's true. The passage describing here, describing man here, is true about the Garden of Eden, of Adam and Eve. But something's happened since man was created. In the garden, everything was under Adam and Eve. But then the fall happened. They ate from the forbidden fruit and sin entered into the world. And because of sin, we see this picture of man is not the case. It's been tainted. Man is not in the mind of God because man is now the enemy of God. Man is not cared for by God because of sin, because he is the rebel of God. And so what do we see? We see people starving. We see droughts coming through. We see floods. We see people with nowhere to live, homeless people. We do not see the care that God had for Adam and Eve in the garden. And we do not see everything under our feet. Now, this isn't to suggest that we have no shred of dignity left. God, in his common grace, still fulfills some of these criteria about man to some extent, but it's not the same. We are in the mind of God to some extent. We are cared for by God. We do experience his blessings, don't we? We have something to eat. It's not like we're starving altogether all the time. We have something to wear. We have somewhere to live. But it's not what it should be. And everything is not quite under our feet. Some things are under our feet. Like I can feel good about smacking a mosquito down and saying, this is not your home. You're going to die now. But if a brown snake was to wander into the house, well, then that would be an example of uh, the fall being in there. And I would be scared of it. I would probably run in the other direction and have to call someone to deal with a snake. I wouldn't take it on on my own. But there is an element of grace there. It describes us to some extent, but we do not see it fully. And that's what the author of Hebrews says. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. We do not see everything subject to man. Much dignity has been lost. And the rest of the Bible talks about the future and that man's dignity that we have to some extent now that we're cared for by God will one day be lost altogether because of sin. One day you will not be remembered by God because of sin. One day you will not be cared for by God at all because of sin. One day nothing will be under your feet, not even a mosquito, because you'll be taken away and eternally punished in hell for your sin. The dignity that man has has been lost. He lost it in the garden to some extent, but one day it will be removed altogether and you will not be worthy of respect at all. You will not be crowned with glory and honour. Instead, you will be shamed for eternity for what you have done. So this is bad. This is bad news that we see here that we do not see this wonderful picture of Psalm 8 happening today and in the future it will not happen. So what do we see? 
What do we see? Well, he tells us in verse 9. But I'll read from the end of verse 8 there. Yet, yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. And so that's my third main point this morning, the dignity of the man Jesus. The dignity of the man Jesus Christ. We see Jesus, who though although a little made subject made a little lower than the angels, is now crowned with glory and honor. He is the one who has true dignity. He is the one who Psalm 8 can describe perfectly. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. He quotes basically from Psalm 8 in verse 9. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor. And it's true. If we go back to the quote from Psalm 8 in verse 6, we see that what it says there, it says about Jesus. What is man that you are mindful of him? Is Jesus in the mind of God? Yes, all through his life in the Gospels. He is there in the mind of God. God the Father is caring for him. God the Father speaks in his hearing and the hearing of others and declares that he is my son and I am well pleased with him. Does God the Father care for him? Yes. He even sends angels at times to care for Jesus. When he's been tempted in the, when he's been fasting in the desert for 40 days, at the beginning of his ministry, then angels come. When he's there at Gethsemane, pouring out his heart to God, an angel comes and comforts him. God cares for Jesus. God shows that Jesus has dignity. And what about else? Verse 7, you made him a little lower than the angels. Yes, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. And he was crowned and is crowned with glory and honour and everything is under Jesus' feet. When you see him in the Gospels, can anything stop him? Can demon-possessed people stop him? Can storms stop him? Nothing stops Jesus. Everything is subject to him. And his disciples are amazed when he calms the storm and says, who, who is this man? That even the wind and the waves listen to him. Because they know that the rest of mankind have no control over the wind and the waves. That the wind and the waves are not under their feet but interestingly, they're under Jesus' feet. Jesus is the man that is described in Psalm 8. He is the one who has true dignity. So this is good for Jesus, isn't it? He's the one who has true dignity. It's good news for him. But what about for us? There's only bad news, isn't there? That we've lost our dignity to some extent. God is gracious in giving us some dignity today and caring for us and remembering us. But one day we'll lose it altogether. Good news for Jesus, bad news for us. Or is there hope? Why is Jesus crowned with glory and honour? What does the text say? Verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour because... He suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. There is hope here. And what is that hope? That the dignity of man can be regained. That you can have respect again. And that's my fourth main point this morning. The dignity of man regained. The dignity of man regained. How, do you, how is the dignity of man regained? 
Well, it's through Jesus Christ, the only one with true dignity. He is the only one to give dignity, and the way he gives it is through his death. He suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. If you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus' death for you, you are united to Christ. Christ is in you. And when you have Christ, what do you have? You have dignity. You have respect from God through Christ. Christ, by his death, removes all your sin. He pays for it. He takes the punishment that you deserve. And so you have dignity in God's eyes once more. And so this description of Psalm 8 can describe you as a Christian. Verse 6, But there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him? Are you in the mind of God if you are a Christian? Yes. You are one of his children. How can you not be in his mind? A father's always thinking about his kids. You are in the mind of God. You have dignity because of Christ. The son of man that you care for him. Are you cared for by God? Yes. As a Christian, everything that happens to you is for your good. Now we may not understand some of the things that happen to us, how they can be working for our good. The pain that we experience, different types of suffering, different sins come along. And we think, why is this happening to me? God mustn't be caring for me at this point. But no, the scripture tells you the opposite. If you are in Christ, you have dignity and God cares for you. Everything that happens to you is for your good and your benefit. And what about verse 7? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour. Are Christians crowned with glory and honour? Yes. Through Jesus Christ, we are crowned with glory and honour. We are given the glory for being one of God's people. We are sons of God. And when we die, or when Jesus returns, we will be given the glory that he promises to give to those who are his people, who follow him in faithfulness, who repent of their sins and believe in his Son. And is everything put under our feet? Verse 8? Yes. Not in this life. You're still going to have to run from the brown snake when it comes in as a Christian. But in the next life, everything is under your feet. And even angels will be under your feet. Do you realise that? Verse 5, what does it say? It is not to angels that he subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. We're told in 1 Corinthians that we will judge angels. We are going to be God's children in God's kingdom with everything under our feet. We have dignity. We have respect. We have honour through Jesus Christ. So what makes you dignified? When you think about why people should respect you, what comes into your head? Do you trust in the fact that you are a human and not an animal and that gives you respect? That people should respect you in a way that they don't respect a dog or a cat or a cockroach? Do you trust in 
your dignity of being a citizen of a particular country, that as an Australian citizen you have more rights and you are more dignified than someone from another country? Is it your money that makes you worthy of respect? When you think people should tip their hats to you, it's because of how much money you have in the bank account or what kind of car you're driving past in, that people should look at you and go, that person's worthy of respect. Or by the house that you live in, people as they walk past, you walk out the front, they think, nice house, that guy deserves some respect. Is it your brain that because you're so smart, Maybe you've even got a a degree or two. Maybe you've got some letters in front of your name as well as behind your name. And so people should give you some respect. Do you know who I am? That's what gives you dignity. That's what gives you respect. These things do not bring dignity. These things do not bring respect from God. The only thing that brings you respect is Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, do you realise that you do not have dignity? That you are a rebel, an enemy of the living God? And that one day you'll be shamed for eternity? Do you realise what you are doing? Are you pursuing dignity by other means than Jesus Christ? I implore you, don't do it. Seek Jesus Christ through repentance of your sins and faith in his death for you. May it be that he suffered death, he tasted death for you, so that you have dignity in God's eyes, so that this description of Psalm 8 is of you. Do it right now. Repent. Admit your faults to God and believe that Jesus died for you. And if you are a Christian... Do you continue to remember what gives you dignity, what gives you respect? It's so easy to start thinking about the good that we do even. We don't think about money giving us respect. We don't think about our brains. But we think about the good things that we do. And we think, I deserve some respect. I'm such a good Christian. I've conquered these sins. I give this much to the church. I'm always at church. I'm active in all these ways. I deserve some respect. I'm a dignified person. It's not true. If you do good works, it's only because of the grace of God. It's only because Christ is working in you. The only thing that gives you dignity is Jesus Christ. It's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that because you're such a good Christian, you deserve respect. People tell me, from time to time that I'm a good preacher. And it's easy for me to think, yes, Joel, you are wonderful. You are a good preacher. But it's not true. The only reason I preach well at all, if I ever do, is because Jesus Christ is using me. It's not me. It's him. My dignity, my respect comes from him. Do you remember that? Or are you tempted to think that the good things that you do, maybe even the things that you own, make you worthy of respect. No, it's not true at all. It is not seen by scripture that man is worthy of respect apart from Jesus Christ. So when you're tempted in that way, remember that the good that you do 
is only through Jesus Christ. And the only reason Jesus can work in you is because of his death at the cross. God could not be just and gracious to you and work through you without Jesus dying at the cross. If God is to be just, he should send us all to hell straight away. But because of the cross, he is able to work in us and Jesus' death there enables him, allows him to work in us and still be a just God, a punisher of sin, but one who works in us and brings him glory through the work that he does. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we recognise that you are the creator of the world and that you created man with dignity, worthy of honour and respect. But Lord, we did not stay that way. Instead, we fell into rebellion and sin and we lost the dignity that you gave us. But Lord, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, the one man who has always been dignified, we can regain our dignity we can regain what we had at the beginning. Lord, we pray for anyone this morning who is trusting in something else other than Jesus Christ for respect, for dignity. We pray that they may see that as foolishness, that one day they will be shamed for eternity for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and his death at the cross. And Lord, we pray for us Christians this morning. We pray that we may remember that anything that is good in us is through Jesus Christ. Anything that makes us worthy of respect is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that we may continue to trust in him and give him the glory and the honour that he deserves. And we pray this in his name. Amen. We're going to sing once more. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. Please stand and sing once more.
close with words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Amen.